Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. And I'm reading from the New International Version. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you very much, Peggy. As we conclude this week the Advent season, getting ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, just a reminder that many times our scripture readings come from the Old Testament during this season of Advent. And that might seem odd because we're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, so why don't we have more of the gospel stories. But Advent is a time of preparation to hear again some of the prophecies that were made in the Old Testament to predict the birth of the child. And in the story of Isaiah, there are numerous prophecy accounts, promises from this Old Testament book, this prophet Isaiah, that we sing about in hymns, that we hear about and even are reiterated in the New Testament gospel lessons of how God is going to fulfill God's promises when the time is right. We spoke of one last week from the book of Isaiah, and today we're speaking about this one in the seventh chapter that Peggy just read for us today. When I was in seminary, one of the hardest classes that I had in my three years of school was the prophets. And I think it was difficult for a number of reasons, but basically I think it's one of those places in the Bible that most of us Christians don't pay attention to and don't understand. The words sound kind of foreign. The words kind of sound futuristic. They don't even sound real sometimes. And we don't really think about them so much or give them much due. It also didn't hurt that my professor was scary. He knew seven languages that weren't even being used in the world at his time. But I think a lot of times we, in our culture today, have heard our modern-day prophets, so to speak, say, well, the world's going to end on December the 22nd at 9.15 a.m. And every time we hear that, do they happen? No, of course not. I remember one time being a student in school and on a school bus on the way, I think, way home one day, one of these so-called modern prophets had predicted the end of the world that particular afternoon at a certain exact time, and we were all waiting on the bus watching our watches. We didn't have cell phones back then, so we had to watch our watch, and all of a sudden, the seconds ticked by, 
and we were still sitting right there in that school bus where we started the trip. So I think a lot of times in our modern world, we kind of poo-poo the idea of prophets and prophecy. Because who of us have really ever heard a real prophecy in our modern day that has come true? For example, I could say that the Steelers or the Eagles are going to win today, but most of you won't believe me, right? (laughs) So we just kind of don't think about or give credit due to prophecies the way that people did in the Old Testament, or maybe actually they didn't either. I mean, think about it. You heard Peggy read these words, and one of the verses, verse, I think, 15 it might have been, talks about Emmanuel, this God being with us. Now, if you are living in Isaiah's day, you would have had a long, difficult history as God's people, the nation of Israel. You were told by your priests that you were the chosen people of Israel, this chosen race, and yet you had gone through war after war Decimation after decimation, even been held captive in a foreign land for a time, and probably wondered, where in the world is God? Because it doesn't seem like God is with us at all. In fact, it seems the exact opposite, like like God is way out or up there somewhere, far, far away from us, his supposed chosen people. See, we're not that much different from these people of the Old Testament when we think that God is not really with us in times of trouble, times of death, and times of struggle. It's nothing new. When I did the funeral on Friday at the funeral home at Clark's, before I read the scriptures of the Old Testament and the New, I often do this, but I said that we who are grieving today need to know that there are people who have experienced death before. We have that in common with people of all time, no matter when they lived. There has been the feeling of rejection and loss for as long as the human race existed. So maybe even the people of Isaiah's day didn't give much due or much credit to prophecies. My dad had a lot of sayings. When he died eight years ago, in November that year, I was in the mountains where we had spent over 20 years together once a year, that time of year. It was actually the morning of bear season that I got the phone call that my dad had passed away. And so I had about a a three-and-a-half to four-hour drive to go home and be with the family that morning when he died. And... I remember that drive like it was yesterday because the night before my dad had called me and we had a talk for about an hour. We had a long talk and I sometimes think they know D. You said that about your dad the other day when we talked. I think they do sometimes know. We had this big talk the night before and then when I got the phone call I get my stuff together to go back home to be with the family and I'm driving home for those three and a half to four hours And it was actually the most cathartic drive of my life. Because during that whole trip, I'm not sure how I didn't get there and have an accident. I was thinking about all the things that my dad and I did together. 
from a little kid on up. Being there when our kids were born, December 20th, 1995. And all the other times, these special moments that my dad and I had shared. Talks we had had. Arguments we got into. Theological discussions we got into over, over lunch many times on Sunday afternoons. And my dad had so many sayings that my family and I started to write them down. And I have a record of them in my, in my computer. He had a lot of sayings. He had something to say about everything. And one of the things he said often was this. What goes around comes around. Hence the bulletin cover today. I hope I didn't offend anybody by putting that on there today, but I thought it was kind of funny. You know, it is true. What goes around does come around. And, and that's prophetic in a way. In a, in a real way, that is prophetic. Another way of saying it is that history repeats itself. Don't you agree? I mean, I was hearing the other day in an article about how many of our World War II veterans are dying now. Because they're in their nines and hundreds now, right? And so we run the risk as a people of forgetting our history. I mean, kids today have no connection at all, hardly, to World War II and to why we engage in that world war. But the danger of not knowing our history and not remembering it is the risk of repeating it. I'm so glad, Pan, that many times in the church during prayer time, we have you and other members of our church wanting for us to pray for our military. Now, I know I'm biased. I have a son in the military, in the Navy. So I'm biased. I admit that. But as a pastor, too, I believe that no matter who we are, we have to know our history and be leery of repeating it. Because if we don't know it, what good does that do us? We are a people who need the Word of God to be prophetic in our world today. Not some fly-by-night prophetic person, but words from God and through people that are real and integral. Prophecy has a place even in our world today as much as it did in Isaiah's day and in the Old Testament. It's just that we don't hear it in a very positive way or we never see it seemingly come true. I actually like this prophecy a lot. It's one of my favorite ones because I think a lot of us are like the people of Isaiah's day. I'm a pastor, and I talk to a lot of people at times of life when we have births and baptisms and weddings and funerals and everything in between. And a lot of people I talk to sound to me like the people of Isaiah's day. Where is God? If God loves us, why do these bad things happen? We come to church, and we, we hear Alexander play, and we hear Krista and Adele play. And I almost said to you, that was great. That should be a standing ovation. I mean, these kids, I baptized. This is kind of embarrassing. I've been here so thinking long. But, but you look at the kids and, and how they are growing and giving back to us in church. That's a miracle in my mind. That's not the ordinary. That's special. 
And many of us, when we go through difficult times, we say, well, where is God? Does God even care? There was even a book about why do bad things happen to good people? I could put it this way. Why do bad things happen to God's people? Just because you are a believer, just because you are a member of our church, doesn't mean you are excluded from the real pains of life. They're going to happen no matter who we are. Where is God? Does God care? Does God care about me? That sounds to me a lot like the people of Isaiah's day. And how many of us think that God is away out there, somewhere up there, way far away from where we sit in our pew today? Are any of you really into the Christmas spirit yet? Who is? I'm glad I'm not alone. This is the first time since my wife died in five years that I really feel like I'm ready for Christmas. Shopping's all done. Not quite wrapped yet, but it's all done. And I'm getting ready. I can't say it here this morning because my mom listens to the sermon sometimes. But I'm getting ready for her gift to give her. I've already got it taken care of. And it really has helped me to get into the Christmas spirit. And last night was just great. Because seeing the children's faces when Santa was ringing his bells and coming into the room. Oh my goodness. God is indeed with us. That was the whole prophecy of Emmanuel, that in the birth of Jesus, God is not out there, up there, far away, but God is right here in your heart with us now. Isn't that a celebration? That's kind of an ironic thinking that we don't think about very often. But is truly the message and the miracle of the birth of Jesus. He, God, is with us. I'd put it this way. You can't go anywhere that God isn't there already. With you. Nowhere. No feeling. No place. No status. God is is with us. We have this hymn, right? This song, What Child Is This? This really fits. Sometimes people in Bible study and Sunday class accuse me of going off on a tangent. Right, Rick? <laughs> we are working through the book of Psalms in my Bible study on Wednesday mornings. Right, Ann? And it's been a two and a half to three year project and we just got halfway done the other week. That's really embarrassing. And I'm sorry about that. But there's so much to say. There's so many things that do relate to these stories of the Bible. And isn't it amazing to you, because it sure is to me, how relevant these words are even after all these years. That to me is the miracle and the proof in the pudding of what the Bible's all about. It speaks to us, and it speaks of our story. So here we have this song for Christmas, What Child Is This? And in this prophecy in the seventh chapter of Isaiah, you probably didn't catch it when Peggy was reading it, because I didn't catch it the first couple times I read through it either. But in verse, the last two verses she read, was that 
15 and 16, or I forget the numbers now. But the last two verses she read, we're talking about a child. The first one here about the Emmanuel being the child being born, God with us. And then about this child eating curds and honey. Who of you have had curds and honey lately? Now, curds and honey were for babies. It was for before you could chew meat, before you had teeth. It was baby food. Isn't it funny how sometimes things go full circle? <laughs> I have a friend of mine whose uh, twin boys laughed at him one day when they realized that the school he first went to in Hellertown had now become a assisted living place. And they said to him, hey, Dad, you can go full circle. <laughs> so in this story, we have first the story of Jesus the prediction of him being born and being Emmanuel, God with us. But then in the very last verse that Peggy read, we hear about this child eating curds and honey, and Isaiah is not talking about Jesus in that verse, we don't think. Instead, he's talking about his own second son. I can't pronounce his name. But his second son was also a prophecy fulfillment. In Isaiah's time. And so like a lot of the Old Testament prophecies, there was almost an immediate fulfillment of the prophecy that his second son was this child being spoken about. And then also the futuristic birth of Jesus as the second son being fulfilled in the prophecy too. What child is it? It's both. It's both children. Both the one who was born of Isaiah and his wife and the one who was born of Mary and Almighty God. Isn't Christmas really all about children? I, I know I'm also guilty of this, but I think it's Peggy who says that, that men never grow up. Isn't that what you say? We have seventh grade humor. <laughs> and and I, the way I say it is somewhat similar. I'm not really sure what I want to be if I grow up. I'm a kid at heart. I mean, when I think about Christmas and I'm in the right spirit, the song that comes to my mind is Little Toy Trains, Little Toy Tracks. That was a song that I heard as a kid growing up for many years. And I don't know about you, but even though I'm 54 years old, I still like toys, Jack. Now, my wife would say your toys are more expensive than they used to be. But I like toys. I like tools. I like, I like toys, Rick. I mean, I'm a kid. Aren't you? And there's something about Christmas that we see... Unlike any other time of the year, Burl Ives sings a song, Christmas Must Be Near. And in the lyrics, he talks about or sings about his neighbor tipped his hat to him. Even the landlord said hello. Even a stranger said good day. The old tightwad down the street is a handing out candy to the kids at play. I love that line. Isn't that great? That's what Christmas is all about. And last night, we got to see it firsthand, didn't we, Jackie? We got to see it firsthand. And the expressions of 
Santa and the expressions of these children's faces was, let me tell you, knock your socks off. It was amazing. So last night I got home late after another appointment and I posted a few pictures on, the, on my Facebook page there and I put this caption. Santa is listening. Are you telling him what you want for Christmas? And I didn't mean that just for the little children. I meant that for the older children too, including you. My dad was Santa Claus for 26 years in my hometown. A lot of stories about that. I don't know if I have time to get into all of them. I don't have time to get into all of them. Sorry about that. But my dad saw Christmas through the eyes of children. It's kind of something like this, maybe. There's just something special about a child at Christmas. What child is this? We talk about Jesus. We talk about our children. And they're connected. God isn't far away, up there somewhere, barely paying us a mind. God knows what it's like to be a baby. God knows what it's like to coo. God knows what it's like to make a mess. And children are the eyes of this prophecy. The danger is that we become like Scrooge. I get to be Scrooge on Tuesday night. Pray for me, because I laugh way too much. The lines in some of these things are just amazing to me, and I, I lose my composure. I mean, I just start laughing so much, I can't say what I'm doing next, you know? The eyes of a child is not only what Christmas is all about, I think it's also what God is all about. Every single one of us is God's child, whom he loves so much, so very much, that he sent his own son to be with us. If you don't see that as the Christmas miracle, shame on you. Because that's what the prophecy is all about. And the neat thing about Christmas to me is that no matter how many times you've celebrated it, some of you a few more years than me, no matter how many times you celebrate Christmas, this year is going to be different. And it's going to be great, isn't it? Let us pray. God, you are here with us. Forgive us for not seeing it or sensing it. Forgive us for not proclaiming it and talking about it. Truly, God, help us this Christmas season not only to know 
but also to see that you are here with us. Amen.